Heavenly Father, we thank you for the work that you've done in our lives and the work that you've done in this world. And we thank you for the word that you have given us, that we can come to your word any time we want to hear you speak, and you will speak to us through it. And now, as we come to your word this morning, in this service, we ask you to speak clearly and powerfully to each one of us, Father. We ask that if we come with anxieties that may hinder us from hearing your message, may you calm them. If we come with fears, may you remove them. If we come with distractions and busyness, may you calm us so that we may hear what you have to say. Father, we pray that you would open our ears to hear our hearts, our eyes to see, and our hearts to receive what you have to say to us this morning. And all God's people said, Amen. The question right away this morning is, is where do you turn when it seems like everything's going wrong or everything's falling apart? Um, where do you turn in that moment when trials come? And, and I don't want you to necessarily just give the answer that you know you should give, but, but actually start thinking back to the last time something went terribly wrong. Where, where did you turn? The last time you felt lost or confused or hurt, um, where, did you, where did you turn in those moments? Did you turn to your friends? Did you turn to your family? Did you turn to your church? Um, did you just turn to yourself? Did you find yourself sitting down, staying up late at night, thinking, you know, I just need to be strong enough to make it through this, or I need to work harder to get through this? Where did you, where did you turn? And if you you can flip the coin too and think about when the last time when everything seemed to be going right, when everything was going well and you were just really excited because things were falling in place, where did you turn to, to celebrate when everything seemed to be going right? The most likely you turned to the same people, right? You turned to family, you turned to friends, you turned to your church community, you went into your room and did a little dance or something like that. You, you celebrated. Um, and the question is, think about where, where did you turn? On Thanksgiving morning, I came across this quote um, from Neil Planninga, who used to be the president of Calvin Seminary. Um, and he said this, It must be an odd feeling to be thankful to nobody in particular. We often see this odd thing happening on Thanksgiving Day. Everyone seems to be thankful in general. It's very strange. It's kind of like being married in general. Right? There's, there's this kind of... This, being married is not just being married in general. You, it's, it's related to another person. And it's the same thing with being thankful. You have to be thankful to another person. And... And if you, and a lot of these, the quotes that I was seeing on Thanksgiving, a few of them were, were looking at people who believe that there is no God saying, there will come a point where you're going to be very, very thankful for something and you will have nowhere to turn except for God. So the question is, who do you turn to? Not just in general, but who, what person do you turn to when you find yourself celebrating and rejoicing or when you find yourself in a time of trial? And our passage today will, will help us understand that a little bit. It's a short passage, only three verses. John 1, verses 1 through 3. You've already heard it in the reading this morning. In the beginning was the Word, 
And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. Now since I've started at Faith Community Church, all of the passages that we've been doing have been significantly longer than this, right? I mean 15, 20, 60, 50 verses. And so I like to switch things up a little bit. And I've, I've just kind of learned over the years that it's good to look at really big passages sometimes, and it's good to look at very small passages sometimes. You, you look at the big passages, you get a big overview, the big picture of what's going on. You look at small passages, and it kind of forces you to, to dive in a little bit deeper and be a little bit more reflective of what, what Scripture's saying. And so it's my prayer that during this season of Advent, we would be able to slow down and reflect a little bit. It's one of the reasons why I intentionally decided that during Advent we're going to be looking at two, three, four verses at the most because it forces us to just kind of slow down and think and to reflect. Like I mentioned at the beginning of the service, Advent is known as a season of waiting. Um, The word Advent just means coming. We, We celebrate Jesus coming in His birth, But we also look forward to Jesus' second coming when he comes as king. And so we're in the season of waiting for a person to come. And when we celebrate following the church calendar, Advent is actually not Christmas. It's different. Christmas is Christmas Day and then 12 days afterwards. That's where the 12 days of Christmas come. So we're supposed to party for 12 days as we celebrate Christmas. But prior to that, we're in a time of waiting and reflecting on who this one is that is to be born that we're going to celebrate. But we live in a culture that doesn't really like to wait, do we? I mean, we want things and we want it now. I mean, I think a lot of places, Thanksgiving dinner wasn't even done and everybody was celebrating Christmas already and Christmas carols were going. And, and, uh, and I just want us to slow down a little bit and take some time to reflect on who we are celebrating You know, as we go through this passage, eventually the Word will become flesh. (laughs) You know, Jesus will be born, but not yet. He's That's in a few weeks. We want to take some time reflecting, contemplating who that one is that we celebrate on Christmas. And John starts off with a bang and gives us a lot to think about. In the beginning was the Word. Now, I'm going to make you wait for something else, too. I'm not going to talk this morning about why does John call Jesus the Word. We're going to talk about that in a few weeks. So I'll just make you, let you ponder that. But he's talking about Jesus. He says, in the beginning was the Word. And he intentionally wants Genesis 1 flashing in your heads, right? Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so John's Intentionally saying, think back to the beginning, think back to creation when you think of Jesus. And not only does he want us to remember that event, he says it in a really interesting way. A way that's really hard to translate in English. Um, the Greek word has this past continuous action. Okay, So something happened in the past and was continually happening. Happening. So the NIV says, in the beginning was the Word, and I would say a way that we could understand it, in the beginning the Word was already existing. 
And so one, if, if I was talk, telling you a story in English, if I was telling you a story about my kids and say I took them shopping the other day and they were bugging me continually about buying them candy or whatever, toys, and I would say, man, they just kept on nagging me. That's that past continuous act. Repeatedly, it was, had this continuous. And so it says that about Jesus. In the beginning, he was already existing. Not just when God created everything, he was there. No, he was already existing before creation happened. Jesus was there. And just, just take a moment to let that settle in. Before anything ever was, Jesus was. And to get just a little philosophical, but not too much, don't worry. There's this connection between time and space, and it, or time, space, and matter. And if you take away space and matter, there is no time. And so the fact that Jesus existed before anything was created means that he existed outside of time. Eternal. There never was a time when he was not. Just, does that just, as, as I was thinking through that this week, it just really made me sit and go, that is, it's incredible to think about. There was never a time when he was not. It really should cause us to break into immediate worship of who he was. And John connects that right away with this. He says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was already existing. And the Word was already existing with God. And the Word was already existing as God. Think of that. In the beginning, the Word was already existing. The Word was already existing with God. And the Word was already existing as God. And that starts to make our brains hurt if we try to figure that out, doesn't it? How can he already be existing as God, but still be existing already with God? How, is there, how can he be God and be distinct from God? And it, it, this all comes into our understanding of what we call the Trinity, and uh, one of the best explanations um, I have for that comes from one of our confessions. It describes the Trinity. It says, in keeping with this truth and the word of God, we believe in one God who is one single essence in whom there are three persons really, truly, and eternally distinct. One God in essence, and yet three distinct persons. It's not that, that God is one and then just kind of reveals himself in different ways. It's not that the God, God decides sometimes he's going to reveal himself as a son, and sometimes he's going to reveal himself as father, and sometimes as... No, he's one God with three persons who are really, truly, and eternally distinct. Which is why John can say Jesus was already existing as God. Because he's of the same essence as the, as the Father and the, and the Holy Spirit. But he was already existing with God because he's distinct from the Father and the Holy Spirit. Does it make your brain hurt? Yeah, it should. It should. I mean, on, on one hand, it, it's, it's easy to kind of comprehend the language that we're using. We're just using one and three and, and little things like that. And yet, to try to really understand what's happening in the Trinity is difficult, and yet it should just, again, it should cause us to worship that God is so much higher above anything we could understand. And for me, just apologetically, I think 
Nobody made this up. Who would ever make this up? They couldn't make this up because we can't even comprehend it. And so the only way that this is, it just points to the truth of the reality of who God is, that he is so much higher that he can exist as one in essence and three in person. And then we can worship him. And it also has a big impact as we, as we begin to think about the Christmas season because it's important to know that the Father did not take on flesh. Neither did the Holy Spirit. Only the Son. And as a bunch of false religions claim, the Father did not go down and impregnate Mary and they didn't and have a son together. There's religions that believe that the father impregnated Mary and then they had a child and then they have this weird kind of God-man, kind of like Hercules. That's not what the Bible says. Or it wasn't that the Holy Spirit just really so infilled this one child that he was just very, very godly. That's not the case either. The one who existed before the beginning took on flesh and was born of a virgin. It's really powerful. And then John ramps it up and says, Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Through Jesus all things were made and nothing that has been made has been made without him. And I want to emphasize that because I don't think we typically think of Jesus in this way. We typically think of Jesus as our Savior, Redeemer, and we forget that the Bible talks about him repeatedly as the one who all things were created through. And it says this in multiple places. Colossians 1, Paul says, By him, by Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by Him and for Him. And then in Hebrews, it says, In these last days, the Father has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, and through whom He made the universe. Okay? The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being sustaining all things by His powerful Word. So not only did, did, were all things created through Jesus, but Jesus is sustaining them. He's holding, holding them up right now as we speak. The reason that this pulpit is holding together and not falling over is because Jesus is holding the molecules together. The reason that you're sitting here this morning and your heart's beating and your, and your lungs are breathing and your brain is functioning is because Jesus is holding on to them and sustaining them in that moment. It means that every single blessing that we have comes from Him. As, as we leave here this morning, and the weather's not real great, but as you're complaining about the weather, know that Jesus is the reason for it. <laughs> but Jesus is the reason that our, that our universe works the way that it does, that we can have rain and snow and sun and seasons and trees and grass. It's because Jesus created it and Jesus sustains it. But it's even more than that because it says everything that ever has been made is made through Him. So as you get in your car and enjoy the warmth from the rain and the, and the, and the cold, know that you have that because of Jesus. 
And as you go home and you, and you sit on your couch and you relax and you eat, you know that you have all of those things because of Jesus. And as you enjoy fellowship with your friends and your family, you have all of those because of Jesus. Every single blessing comes from Him. Every single one. Every blessing you've ever had in the past, every blessing you currently have right now, or any blessing you will have in the future is a result of Jesus. And so when you ask the question, where do you turn in times of trial and thankfulness, it's appropriate to give the Sunday school answer and say, Jesus. Because that's where we turn. If He is the fountain of every blessing in our lives, we should give Him credit for every blessing in our lives. We should make sure that we're not trying to take credit for something that Jesus has given. Or, or we're not trying to give someone else credit for something that Jesus has given. If you have anything, any blessing, give Him credit. And then go celebrate it with your family and your friends and your church. Do a little dance in your, in your room. That's all fine. But make sure you're, you're celebrating that Jesus is the one who gave you that, that gift. And that's just called worship. Dancing in your room, giving thanks to Jesus for gifts, is worship. That also means that we should give Jesus, um, we should seek Jesus for every need in our lives. When we turn to Him in the midst of trial, He's the only one who is able and capable of providing for our needs. Period. So when we find ourselves in the midst of trial, we should make sure that we seek those needs from Him. I remember, I don't remember how long ago it was when God really started to convict me of that. I would find myself in the midst of trial and my first instinct being a farm boy who just kind of pull yourself up by your bootstraps, I would try to fix everything myself. I was the one who would stay up late at night thinking, I need to work harder, I need to try harder, I need to fix this problem. And eventually God just keeps laying them on until you can't fix them yourself and you need to rely on Him. But he convicted me that my first instinct was to never, wasn't to turn to Christ. It was to turn to myself or turn to somebody else. He convicted me that the first thing I needed to do when I found myself in the midst of a tough situation was to hit my knees in prayer. Because he's the first one we should turn to because he's the only one who can really provide for us. Hit my knees in prayer and then open up my Bible and say, Give me guidance on how to do this because I I should seek guidance from him before my own brain. So hit my knees and read my Bible and trust that he will help lead me in that moment. I mean, those are really practical ways to turn to Jesus first. But it's also important, I think, just to know that this is just the essence of the Christian life. I was reading a book this week talking about John Calvin. Surprise, surprise. And uh, they're talking about his view of the Christian life. What was the Christian life about? He said, the author said, these two key gestures, seeking every good from God and crediting God with every good, make up the primary practical contours of the Christian life for Calvin. So that's the whole Christian life. The entire, your whole life should revolve around these things. Seeking every good from him and crediting God with every good. Or to shrink those down into one word, seeking every good from God, prayer. Crediting God with every good, praise. Prayer, praise and prayer, prayer and praise. And then over and over and over, your whole 
life revolving around those things. Prayer and praise to the one who created everything. And that's really the beginning of the Christmas story. I was thinking, you, you open up the Gospels and Mar, or Matthew and Luke start off with the birth of Jesus. And Mark starts off with the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. And John says, hold on, the story starts way before that. It doesn't even just start in the beginning of creation. It starts before anything was created, Jesus was. And then he created everything. And then he entered into that creation. As the eternal word entered into the creation that he created. And we get to, and, he, and he's, he created it all, and he's holding it all up and sustaining all of that, and that we get to enter into that story as we live lives seeking everything from him, praising him for all the blessings he does. Prayer, praise, living into that. Praising and praying to the one who has created all things and the one who gives every single good gift. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your power and might and glory. We thank you for the work that Jesus has done even before creation and the work that you did through Christ as you brought all of creation into existence and the way that Jesus holds everything together. Lord, help that to stir our hearts to praise and worship you more fully and, and uh more deeply. Father, help that to stir our hearts to turn to you in the midst of every trial and to turn to you in the midst of every rejoicing that we would live lives that are revolve around prayer and praise. Father, stir us to do that. Work in our hearts so we would seek every good and perfect gift from you. And all God's people said, Amen.